I'm so glad you're joining me for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Now, a lot of people have found 2020 to be a very challenging year. For sure, it has been a year of heartbreaks, but it's also been a year of unprecedented heroism. We've seen a lot of trauma. We've seen many lives lost and our condolences and thoughts and prayers go out to the people that we've lost during the pandemic and those who are currently fighting it. And of course, for those who are on the front lines, our healthcare professionals who are trying to save lives at this time. But we've also seen triumphs. We've seen tremendous adaptability. We've seen a lot of progress made in various areas. We've also had to change how we live the very fabric of our lives. Just every single day, every little thing has changed from how we go to work, do we go to work, our children, educating our children, even the way we get basic supplies um, to go on living. So that's what we're talking about in this episode of Squeeze Soldiers, the lessons that we have learned in 2020. So we can not only just feel beat up and traumatized and just waiting for 2020 to be over, but we can kind of give ourselves a pat on the back and say, listen, we have made progress, even though there has, have been tremendous losses, both in terms of humanity and also in terms of of economics. So I have an amazing panel, very diverse, and we're going to get right, right into it. Joining me is Dr. Jeff Gardier. He is a clinical psychologist. He's also an associate professor of behavioral medicine at Toro College. Dr. Jeff, great to have you with us. Great to be on with you, Lisa. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Dr. Ali Hader. He's an interventional cardiologist and he's an associate professor at UMass. Dr. Hader, great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Tokyo Vanity. She's an artist and reality TV star. Tokyo, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Dr. Jeff, I want to start with you on this. In terms of 2020, we know all the things that went wrong. We know the things that bothered us and hurt us. What have we really learned in terms of our lifestyles, do you think? Uh, that we have made uh, the next evolutionary leap, and we've done it very, very quickly. Uh, we've learned that we're able to adapt. Uh, we've learned that there are people who are uh, victims of health disparities and therefore have been uh, affected in a major, major way by COVID-19. We've learned that racism uh, has been at uh, uh, the foundation of all of these issues uh, and that, um, you know, we psychologically are still, our, our feet still have not hit the ground uh, and that there is much more to come, but that we cannot persevere uh, as a divisive nation. We have to come together. So you see it actually as a positive that people have realized it's messed up for everybody. We're all in this together. We have to find our way through together. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I, I think the biggest lesson in all of this is united we stand and divided we fall. And we've Definitely. fallen very far. Definitely. Um, Tokyo Vanity, in terms of the entertainment industry, a lot of people have really been hurting because so many events have been canceled. So many shows have been canceled. A lot of the performances, venues, all of those types of things. What, what have you learned this year about your career and about pursuing your dreams? Um, I think honestly, it would have to say that it depends on the artist because honestly, um, compared to other artists, COVID-19 did not affect me, um, that, that bad. I would honestly say that, um, COVID-19 showed us, um, three things, you know, it put some people in a crazy financial situation right. in the beginning, but a lot of people are in the best financial situations right now that they've ever been in in their life. 
Um, two, um, it, it showed us it, it showed us that we're actually capable of doing anything that we really want to do. But honestly, being out in the world and around so many people, it actually was just a bunch of distractions. And oh, three, that's a good point too that it allowed people to to, to focus in more on what on what they're doing and, and what their particular goals are. Let me bring Dr. Ali Hader in. Dr. Hader, tell us about your experience because medicine has been the, the focus at, throughout this pandemic. You've dedicated your life to saving lives. And what has this, li- this year been like for you? I mean, it's, for one, it's been surreal, you know, um, and it's sort of, even as physicians, we're seeing what's going on around us from the beginning of the pandemic. And it's sort of, take a step back and you realize like, wow, like how can this even happen? You know, we have so much technology, so much research development that we're picking away little diseases over time, over the years. And next thing you know, this pandemic sweeps across, reveals all these vulnerabilities, these flaws that we are uh, faced with. And it's humbling, right? I mean, it's, we're sort of not used to being in a situation where we're helpless. And this is what it was like last year when this first came. And even simple things like lack of you know, initially when we lack of PPE and protecting ourselves, and we take that for granted as healthcare providers, keeping keeping ourselves protected. So all these little things we never really thought that we had to put much, you know, much effort into are are being revealed. And then confusion. I mean, this disease, as, you know, Dr. Gardier pointed out, is, you know, affecting, you know, the Black and Latino communities worse and, you know, certain communities worse than others. Why is that? Some people are getting very sick and dying, whereas others are not as sick. So there's, you know, there's so much that happened so quickly, um, and it was it was a big challenge to sort of weed through that. And you know, we were forced to learn through that situations. And I think, uh, you know, as a medical community throughout the world, we came together very powerfully and very strongly. And I think we're in a better spot than we were, you know, to some degree a year ago. But it was just, you know, it really was both surreal and humbling at the same time. This is Street Soldiers. We're going to continue when we come back. I'm going to ask our guests, what about 2021? Are we going to see improvements or is it going to be more of the same for a while? We'll find out when we come back. Hey, what up, y'all? This is Lloyd, the King of Hearts, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people only on Hot 9-7. You dig? Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. 2020 has been a year unlike any other for so many different reasons. In this episode, we're talking about the lessons we've learned, and we're also taking a look at what we can expect ahead so that we can stay healthy and most importantly, keep a healthy and positive attitude. Joining me for this conversation, Dr. Jeff Gardier. He's a clinical psychologist. He's also an associate professor of behavioral medicine at Toro College. Dr. Jeff, great to have you with us. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much. Also with us is Dr. Ali Hader. He's an interventional cardiologist and associate professor at the University of Massachusetts, UMass. Um, Dr. Hader, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. We appreciate it. Also with us is Tokyo Vanity. She's an artist and reality TV star. Tokyo, great to have you with us. Mm-hmm. Tokyo, let me start with you on this. In terms of in terms of the TV, you know, the TV industry and that type of performances, you, you talk about like it gave you time to focus more on yourself without the distractions. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, okay, so it gave me time to focus on myself without the distractions because I feel like a lot of people don't take mental health serious, you know, because we have so many distractions and things that we're doing all day long to keep us busy that like it kind of doesn't 
click in or factor in until nighttime or to his time to settle down or something like that. Versus like now, because like um we went through like a, a real major time of lockdown at first. Like I feel like everybody's seriously quarantined for like at least four weeks at one point of time in their life. So like that's a lot of time to sit with yourself, you know what I'm saying? And then outside of me and outside the industry, it's a lot of people in this world who wanted to be entrepreneurs and wanted to do like these business ventures, but they never was able to do them because they were too scared to step away from their secure money. But once that was taken away and all you could do is file for unemployment and sit at home because everything is shut down, it made people say, I need other streams of income. I could finally hop out on this business that I wanted to do. Or I could hop out on this, you know? So you know, I really feel like COVID was a blessing and a curse to a lot of people. And, and the blessing in disguise that people were able to do things that maybe they always wanted to do, but just didn't yeah. have, the, have, have, the, have the time to do it before. Dr. Jeff, what about that, um, that lockdown mentality? We talked about how bad it was because we couldn't do the things that we would usually do, but it did give people more time because there were different places to go and there were, you did have to spend more time, less time in traffic, less time traveling, less time on the move and, and all that. What about the benefits of that? Well, there certainly were benefits of it. Of course, we mourned the people uh, who didn't make it because of COVID and COVID uh, uh, situations. But I think it helped, uh, and Tokyo's absolutely right, it helped a lot of people focus on the things that they were never able to do or kept putting off. Uh, I know for me, uh, being a prisoner in my own home uh, out here in Connecticut, uh, gave me the time to be able to focus on my family, focus on my children. I was sitting the other day, um, you know, at the dinner table. And I had asked my wife who those kids were. And she said, those were your kids. I was like, oh my God, it's been so long. Uh, so, you know, it, it certainly was, you know, an opportunity to reacquaint myself with my family, but more importantly, to be able to connect with so many people. The important thing here is when we talk about social distancing, uh, which is very important, it doesn't mean social isolation. Uh, it gives us that opportunity to reach out and connect with people that we haven't done so with a, a, a long time. I know I used to hate talking on the telephone. For me, it used to be like, hello? Yes. Okay. Goodbye. How quickly can I get them off the phone? Now it's actually staying on the phone and talking with people. Like old school conversations. I don't, um, I don't think a lot of people, I don't think a lot of people knew how to properly social distance, even including myself, because a lot of people were not social distancing. Like that's not what was going on. Everybody was like, why that mean I'm only hanging with people that I know for real, but like that does not mean that they don't have COVID just because y'all because y'all hang out every day, you know what I'm saying? Like it got to the point where it was like, Yeah, you could come over, but I don't know your friends, so they can't come. And it's just like, Girl, your friend got COVID too. Like, <laughs> but, but, but Lisa, I think you know, may, maybe uh, you're right, Tokyo, but I think Dr. Hader can talk about that as a uh, medical professional because what I found in my practice. Uh, I found that a lot of younger people didn't know how to social distance. Those were the ones who were getting sick and then spreading it to the old dinosaurs like myself and my generation. No, it's true. Um, and, you know, I think the more maturity one had, the more they understood 
you know, what being sick was all about because we were the ones who didn't process the illness well. A lot of people in Tokyo's age range who had gotten COVID, asymptomatic, or if they had yep. gotten sick, were able to recover. Right, Dr. Hader? That's Dr. Exactly Hader, right. what, what about that? Because you, you had some pretty strong posts about the misinformation that was out. And I, I could see the passion, you know, there to educate the public ab ab about this. What do you think about some of these misconceptions that that still persist even as we continue to battle this pandemic? Speak yeah, I mean it's it's been frustrating, and you know I, I try to talk about it on my page to try to tell folks you know you know fighting that misinformation or selective information. You know, folks who are young saying you know I'm I'm low risk. If I get sick, I'll be fine. But they're completely disregarding the fact that they could spread it to other folks. You know, it's really simple stuff that we're trying to relay. It's not just about you know the young people getting it. It's about you as a vector, and this is how pandemics spread, right? The asymptomatics, the young folks who are not as sick, but they're going to spread it to the older folks who do get sick, you know, and that's that's what's what sometimes it's missed, you know, people are like, oh, this is a boomer disease. This is not affecting me. I'm not, why am I worried? Why should I isolate or distance myself? But you got to remember that, you know, everyone plays a piece of the puzzle, even though you may not be the one who dies, you're going to be probably responsible for someone else if you don't follow the rules. So we're sort of in it together mentality. Unfortunately, the climate of our of our land has been such division. I think that was infused into this whole thing. It was hard to have one person say what they think is right and what's the best way to go it without another folks kind of misconstruing that and taking, you know, trying to do the opposite based on some, you know, misguided ideology. What do you say to people? And, and I get this you know, virtually every time I post something on my social media about COVID or about free testing that's available in certain places or what some of the latest uh, developments are. People are like, that's not really real. In communities of color, it's extremely real because the death rate has been so much higher. The case rate has been so much higher. But there's still this there's still this notion of like it's it's not real. What do you say as our medical expert to that? I mean, it's just silly. I mean, these are people who are not exposed to it. They're not professionals. Like, why are you suddenly the expert in telling me what's real and what's not? You know, and these stupid posts of people taking a picture of a hospital. Oh, the parking lot's empty. There's nobody there. Give me a break, guys. All right. All you got to know is talk to the docs who are in the hospitals. The hospitals in various regions are, are super full. Not everywhere. It comes in waves. So just because you're not seeing it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And that's, I mean, honestly, that's insulting and demoralizing the folks who've gotten affected, whose families have gotten affected, who people who've died. I mean, like, I don't understand why people would say that. Right? It's frustrating, as you can tell. And, you know, it's almost like how do you respond to something that doesn't make any sense? It is real because it's actually happening. But it's crazy how these conspiracy theories have gotten so rampant, you know? Yeah. And it's just, and they fly and they get all these distraction on social media and then people believe it just because in their town, they're not seeing it. Well, it's not like everyone's rolling into the ICU to see it. So why would you be qualified to? So and I almost don't understand it. And I don't know, maybe Dr. Gardier can explain well, to you know, how, why, why, why is this happening in society's, you know, um, you know, um, well, aspect. No, that's, that's another factor too. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Salute. This is General Steele from Smith & Wesson. And right now you're listening to Street Soldiers with your girl, Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people. Only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. 2020 has been a year unlike any other for so many different reasons. In this episode, we're talking about the lessons we've learned, and we're also taking a look at what we can expect ahead so that we can stay healthy and, most importantly, keep a healthy and positive 
attitude. Joining me for this conversation, Dr. Jeff Gardier. He's a clinical psychologist. He's also an associate professor of behavioral medicine at Toro College. Dr. Jeff, great to have you with us. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much. Also with us is Dr. Ali Hader. He's an interventional cardiologist and associate professor at the University of Massachusetts, UMass. Um, Dr. Hader, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. We appreciate it. Also with us is Tokyo Vanity. She's an artist and reality TV star. Tokyo, great to have you with us. Tokyo, in terms in terms of your own case, like did you find people, you know, after after you got sick the second time, did you find people that were in disbelief or they were like, oh, you just had the flu or they didn't want to be practice safety measures around you or wear a mask or anything? Oh, well, I'm not a real chatty person. Like, you know, I kept my COVID to myself. Um, I, I kept myself to myself until I was, until I was fine. You know, like, um, even, even like before I got sick, like, I wouldn't go home and visit my mom. My mom has had open heart surgery twice, and she's had a brain surgery. I'm not going oh to visit her. Like, I'm, I'm not young. I, I mean, I'm not going to visit her. I'm young. I'm fine. I'm healthy as a horse. I, I don't know. You know, you know, you could be a person who's not having any symptoms, and you go home and bring it to your family, and, you know, it kill everybody. But I also do feel like um, in, in the black community, Hispanic communities and stuff, I, I feel like our debt rate is higher because when we enter the hospital, I don't feel like we're granted equal opportunity. So, you know, um, I don't know. No, so, and, and, to, and to your point, Dr. Yeah. Hader, the the, the um, American Medical Association really uh, recently just announced or whatever their official way of doing it is, they said that the racial disparity in the healthcare system was a public health threat, a, a verifiable public Absolutely. threat. Absolutely. I mean, Explain I, that I, to us. What does that mean and what are the ramifications? Yeah, I mean, I mean, what Tokyo says is on point. I mean, there is, there's bias. There is, there's inherent dis racial disparities with delivery of healthcare, right? And whether it's conscious, unconscious, it exists. And we've seen this and we, this has been evaluated at the level of, you know, um, African-American pregnant females who get very sick. We've seen that in cardiology just recently. I've been working with you know, someone to work on a post about looking at the healthcare disparities of race and cardiology. Female black women are offered less invasive procedures for certain heart disease than white men. I mean, you know, and this is stuff that you don't think, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, you think everyone's getting treated equally, but it's one little, um, you know, in inherent bias after implicit bias after another that adds up. Um, and not, doesn't mean that everybody out there is overly racist, racist, right? The mistake is people think, oh, I'm not a racist, therefore I'm providing equal care. But that's not how it's not that simple. So uh, I, I think it is a, a public health crisis and you can see it. COVID's a perfect example. I mean, look, you can make um, reasonings on why the black and Latino communities are, are, are affected more, but it's more than just meets the eye. And I think we all as healthcare providers have to kind of stop and look at ourselves, not just people around us and think, how, how can we make this better? Because this is a problem that has to be changed. And it's been, I don't know how many years uh, and counting, and we're still stuck in that same sort of uh, disparity. Right. And then, and then also talking about that implicit bias too. Dr. Jeff, what about Dr. Hader's point that this is shining a light on this situation that has been going on for so long? And that seems to have been another theme of 2020 to me is that things that were broken, you could really see just how broken they were and things that might've been good or had a lot of potential that was underutilized. That was really obvious too. There's just this, the spotlight was extra harsh. Yeah. Um, COVID-19 really did take the hood off of systemic racism that has been covered up for so long. 
and it affects every part of our functioning from housing to jobs to social justice and right down to the uh, unequal medical care that has been offered uh, to underrepresented minorities. So in many ways, I think it also opened up the eyes to all of Americans as to what brown and black people have been going through with regard to this lack of social justice. And that's why I think when you look at the uh, peaceful protests and demonstrations out there, you see so many more white people um, marching with black and brown people than we've ever seen before. Right, because they don't, they don't want that dis disparity or, and that discrimination to continue. It's about human rights for everybody. That I think that equal, equal, equal access to health care is a human right, you know, for everybody, regardless absolutely, of- Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, is that such a radical, does right. it, that's supposed right. to be such a radical idea? It should be common sense, right? It should be. Let me just say this quickly. I'm sorry, Tokyo. People need to understand that systemic racism doesn't just hurt brown and black people. It hurts all people. It yes. hurts society. I'm sorry. Tokyo, go ahead. I, I feel like African-American people, we have been through so much as a race that I feel like, um, like you said, people unknowingly do these things because I feel like they fall into children and parents syndrome. Like children, we don't feel like our parents have feelings. Because this is my parent. Like, I can't hurt my mama feelings. I can't hurt my dad feelings. Like, but you don't know what your parent struggled through to provide this for you. You said, Ugh, I don't like this. Girl, take this bag. Ugh, it's ugly. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I, I feel like they feel like, oh, we've been through so much and we're so strong as people that we don't need the same care. Like, it, like when he said, um, as far as like um black women and and when we have babies and stuff like that, like you know we don't get the same care that that uh you know that a Caucasian woman would get because they feel like she needed more and and that's crazy to me, you know what I'm saying, so a lot of things with us it go ignored, and if we need something, it's like we're being dramatic because we are known to be such strong people. And, you know, that's, that's just how I feel about it. What up? This is Trey Songz, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, real people, only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about 2020 lessons learned with our panel. Joining me is Dr. Jeff Gardier. He's a clinical psychologist. He's also an associate professor of behavioral medicine at Toro College. Dr. Jeff, great to have you with us. Always great to be with you. Thank you so much. Also with us is Dr. Ali Hader. He's an interventional cardiologist and an assistant professor at UMass. Dr. Hader, great to have you with us. Happy to be here. Thank you so much. Also with us is Tokyo Vanity. She's an artist and reality TV star. Tokyo, great to have you with us. Very happy to be here. Um, Dr. Hader, in terms of hopeful signs, everything, we've been talking about the politicization of public health. And that's been a, a big a big theme of the past year. But there's also a lot of hope about these vaccines that are coming out and actually seeing an end to the pandemic. And then on the other hand, there are people saying, well, you know, lockdowns will continue sporadically. Life is it's going to be 2022 before life is really fully, you know, being fully lived the way that it was previously. What, what's your take on that? Well, first of all, I mean, obviously we're seeing around us the second surge, the numbers are up again, hospitalizations and people are getting deja vu, but a couple of things to remember, we know a lot more than we did. I mean, one thing that's come out of this is the rapidity, how rapid 
science and medicine has been able to tackle this disease and attack it worldwide. So we're in a better place than we were. We have therapies. We have, you know, medications. There's several medications such as, you know, steroids we know can reduce death. We have these monoclonal antibodies. We have several approved uh, therapies that have uh, been granted uh, EUA by the FDA that are actually making a benefit. And we are a little bit better at treating the disease. Okay. So there are, we're in a better spot than we were before. So this may be why the ratio of hospitalization to death is a little bit more favorable, right? Um, secondly, as you mentioned, the vaccines, you know, we all felt that the way to get out of this pandemic is to build uh, immunity, you know, herd immunity in the, in the community, in the population via vaccines. And, you know, we are lucky enough that we have two very viable contenders, maybe even three right now. I do believe they're going to get um, uh, EUA uh, emergency use authorization by the FDA. These are fascinating um, vaccines that we were because of the technology and the money that was put into it and the sheer you know amount of people getting infected. Um, not to mention what we know about this virus from the early SARS-CoV-1 infections many years ago. All these things put us in a position to be able to put this vaccine out very quickly. And I'm very bullish on the vaccine um, being potentially a game changer. And I think we're going to see that getting rolled out hopefully by the end of this month. Um, but what I always like to say is, you know, vaccines are not going to end this pandemic. Vaccinations are going to end this pandemic. So we have to, you know, build trust in the public that, you know, these vaccines are going to be safe, effective, and have enough people take the vaccinations in order for us to get closer towards uh, normalcy. And I do believe we will get there. But like I said, a lot of pieces of the puzzle still have to be put together, even after the vaccinations are approved. Tokyo, what do you think about that? As a, okay, so as a as a regular citizen, right? I think it's so crazy how like the world is mad with our uh, the world, you know, is mad with regular citizens. You know what I'm saying for not taking the whole pandemic in this situation serious. But it's like the world has spent our whole lives, you know, lying to us or keeping secrets or not being straightforward or keeping it real, and it's like. Now they finally chose one time to want to be like, hey, you guys, if you don't stop, it's the end of the world. And they mad because we're like, well, I mean, I don't really believe it. I don't really know nobody who's really affected by woo woo woo. I don't know. It could be a conspiracy. Like, you know, and, and you know, it's okay. Granted, people should take it serious. But it's like if you spent your whole life, you know, lying to someone or covering things up or, you know, being secretive, how can you be upset because the one time you decided to tell like half the truth, you know what I'm saying? Everybody didn't just jump on it like, hey, yeah, I'm gonna listen to what they say, you know, and not, you know, not just saying doctors because, you know, you guys are just doing y'all, y'all job. You, you guys are trying to keep us educated and keep us alive. But I'm saying, the, like the world is upset with regular citizens for still living their day-to-day -day lives. But at the end of the day, life still is going on. It's like we're in a pandemic, but our bills are not stopping. We're in a pandemic, but we still have children to feed. We're in a pandemic, but our children still have to go to school. So it's just like everybody like take it serious, take it serious, take it serious. But I feel like the first step is the world has to take it serious and put the citizens in a position to be in a position to sit back and take this serious because it's like, I'm going to take a disease serious or, uh, you know, a sickness serious that's not currently affecting me, but my bills are currently affecting me. Right. Exactly. Tokyo, let me get Dr. Jeff and then I want to get Dr. Hader to speak to. Um, Dr. Jeff, Tokyo raised a couple of, couple of points 
the, the one is the suspicious about, you know, the suspicions about authority just in general and about things that the government, that the quote unquote government in general has said, as well as in, the, in particular in the black community where there have been, you know, issues in the past with, with false representations made on experiments and, and things of that nature. And that's still a theme that resonates of distrust of the medical establishment. Tell us about that. Well, uh, a study was done and it found actually that people who had a distrust in police officers uh, because of police brutality had actually also had a distrust in the medical establishment. They saw a correlation. Isn't that fascinating? And they're trying to establish, you know, the, you know, the opposite of that. If there's a distrust in the medical uh, community, is there a distrust with police officers? And it makes sense because what we're talking about is a distrust of uh, institutions. And that comes from years and years of systematic racism, institutional racism, implicit bias. And of course, in the past four years, this whole, uh, you know, noise that has been made about, you know, fake news, uh, being a president only to one group of people. So I do hope with this incoming administration that uh, everyone is brought together into one camp and all given the same information and that the truth is reestablished. If we can reestablish truth, then we can get people doing the right thing around the vaccines, around COVID-19, around precautionary measures and uh, ending this divisiveness that we have in this country. Dr. Hader, how do you how do you rebuild that trust? Because for a long time, the, you know, the medical the medical establishment and also to doctors, you know, people go into an ER or whatever. It's like they're not going to start asking, getting into politics with the person that's, you know, that, that's saving their life. That's, you know, saving them from a heart attack or an asthma mm-hmm. attack or a gunshot wound or, or, or something like that. It's like that has to be incredibly frustrating. It is. It is frustrating. You know, this is not what we're supposed to be doing. Right. I mean, we were sort of taken off guard during all this. Like, what is going on around here? And it comes down to leadership. And I completely echo um, Dr. Gardier. I mean, if there's not leadership, if there is, you know, multiple truths that are being sort of spread around and people taking sides on which truth they want to believe, that's a disservice to society, especially no other example than a pandemic to be the you know, the, the, an example of a situation where more than ever, we need unity, we need leadership. You know, if, if the people that you follow, whatever your, you know, political affiliation is, if your leaders and the people you believe, they don't tell you that, you know, you know, we, we have to come together and trust the experts, trust the doctors. Look, nobody's perfect, right? There are, there are doctors out there and medical folks out there who are, you know, not necessarily have all the right answers, but you know, when a whole, the entire group of physicians, doctors, for the most part, are saying one thing, yet you have these, these sort of silos of folks who are, are screaming, this is, you know, conspiracy, this is untruths, and they're being fed by their leaders and their politicians, we're, we're never going to get out of this situation, you know? So it, we have to have, you know, it has to start from the top to instill confidence. Um, without confidence and without trust um, in each other and in the folks who are good at what they do and do that for a living, we're not going to make any meaningful forward progress. And I'm, I'm hoping, again, you know, with this changing of the guards here, we're going to see a shift in the tone and, you know, exude a sense of confidence and comfort because that's where it all has to begin. And then you can fo- that you can focus on on doing your job of pressing your lives. You don't have to worry about fighting people on social media about truths and falsehoods. <laughs> I can actually do my job. <laughs> exactly. Tokyo, in terms of the what, – what would you say? Give us, give us your biggest – you know, your top two biggest lessons that you think you've learned for this from this year. 
Um, my biggest lessons that I learned this year is to um, um, it's just to actually. Well, really, my biggest lesson that I learned was actually to um, just we have to all take accountability for the part that we play in this pandemic, you know. And everybody kind of want to point the finger, but. It's everybody. It's the glove users that don't know that you're supposed to keep switching the gloves. It's the, you know, like, yeah, you're, you're cross-contaminating. You're touching everything at the store, touching your car, touching your phone, bringing it back. Like, you know, it, it's it's everybody. Everybody plays a part. Even the people who are not properly quarantined, because all of this, it boils back down to education. And a lot of us, we're only half educated on this. We're partially educated. And um, it is just sad because honestly, the people, the world is never going to take this pandemic and this sickness serious until it personally affects them or somebody around them. Like they have to lose a close loved one to COVID to know it's real. They have to almost lose their life to COVID to know it's real. None of my friends, when this first came out, none of my friends believed in COVID until they started catching it. Until their kids started catching it. Until their aunts and their grandmothers was taken away from them due to COVID. Until some of them lost their parents. Then everybody became COVID activists. But it's because you, but that's everything in life. Things have to personally affect you. You know, the average person, things have to personally affect them for them to take it serious. Even going back to the first topic. You know, going back to, you know, colorism and racism, a lot of people, it doesn't really affect them for real. So they can't really see like they're not scared when their kids leave the house that they're going to get killed by a police officer for um, pulling some candy out their pocket or something. You know what I'm right. saying? So it, it doesn't affect them. You know what I'm saying? So. It's about that. It's about that. Uh, that personal that that personal personal experience. experience. Is, is the real way to do it. Dr. Jeff, what are, you, what are your top lessons that you've given us some throughout this year of uh, 2020 with, with mental resiliency, with just kind of putting on that mental equipment just to know that things are not going to be the way that they are? What, are? what are some of the lessons you've learned that you can share with us? Well, I guess the major lesson that I learned is uh, to stay woke, uh, keep your eyes open. Uh, it's not what people say, but it's what they do, as uh, my friend Rachel Maddow likes to say. Uh, and it's really important that, and, and I echo uh, what Tokyo has said, we all need to take personal responsibility and become global citizens in order to beat COVID uh, and just as importantly, achieve social justice and end racism. All right. And Dr. Hader, in terms of, terms of your lessons learned that you can share with us. Um, sure. And I, I agree with both of them. The accountability thing, I think that's great. I think this is a perfect example how whether you're far away or close from it, we all make play a part in it. And I think that exemplifies how, as humans, we need to all work together to live and stay together, right? Um, and, you know, the other thing I'd say is, you know, don't, what I've learned is, you know, don't take for granted the simplest things, right? You know, being able to see your parents, having dinner with your family, visiting your nephews, you know, family stuff, just we take for granted, it was revealed to us in these times of isolation. And even in the medical side, medicine side of it, you know, the most simplest thing, the mask, the face covering, we were, remember in the beginning, we were, we had no PPE, we had no mask, the simplest yet most effective barriers that no one would have thought twice about, 
Yet the cheapest thing out there, the cheapest thing of all these medicines we're doing, we, we had a lack of, and yet you take it for granted. So sometimes it's the most simplest things in life that we, that are right in front of us and cheap and low tech that we sometimes, you know, take for granted. So exactly. And, and, and appreciating everything that we do have that is working and that is supporting us and that is uh, healthy. I want to thank our panel for being with us for this episode of Street Soldiers. Dr. Jeff Gardier, thanks for, thanks for being with us. We appreciate it. Thank you. Dr. Ali Hader, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. And and uh, Tokyo Vanity, great to have yeah, you with Tokyo us. Tokyo Vanity, go ahead. I'm, I was there. Now I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't start it now. We're out of time. <laughs> All right, girl. Thank you. so Tokyo Vanity, thank you so much for being with us. Stay healthy and thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you. About everything. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm Lisa Evers. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. Let's push for peace, love, and justice for all.